It's very hard to go to hell. God will use everything and anything to try to turn you around and keep you from going. Now for Psalms 103, Part 2, The Overflow of God's Forgiveness. Thank you for joining Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. We welcome all of you joining us by television and those of you joining us online at brothersoftheword.com or social media. Welcome to today's service. Always a wonderful delight and joy to have you to tune in and join us. I would like to share just a little humor. My mom had always wanted to learn to play the piano, so dad bought her one for her birthday. A few weeks later, I called and asked how she was doing. We returned the piano, said dad. I persuaded her to switch to a clarinet. Why, I asked. Because, he explained, with a clarinet, she can't sing along. <laughs> well, we are having fun. We have just been having fun. We're sharing in Psalms 103, one of the great classic Psalms of the Bible. Psalms 103 is certainly in the top. I would have to rank it in the top three or four. Psalms 103 is definitely in the top three or four. As we said, you got to put Psalms 23 in there. You got to put Psalms 91 in there. I would put Psalms 103 in there, Psalms 1 in there. And those are definitely the top four or five Psalms. So we're excited to be having this opportunity to share Psalms 103. Psalms is a very powerful book. This was Israel's praise and worship book, but it's more than that. It's more than that. It's more than just a collection of psalms. Man, the Lord Jesus Christ himself walks throughout the book of Psalms. When he walked the earth, he even taught, even showed the disciples himself in the psalms. So the psalms are very prophetic. They uh, foretell Christ. They show Christ. And so we're excited. So psalms are powerful. It's a powerful living prophetic book that speaks to us today that we are able to live powerfully from, glean from, and learn from, and use it in our lives today. Last time we dealt with part one, Psalms 103, basically we dealt with verse one, and if I had to entitle that one, I guess we could call it, Bless His Holy Name, as we talked about praise. We talked about praise, focusing on who God is, and we said that praise brings God's presence, praise as an opportunity to enjoy, delight in God. And even when you have times where you feel down or alone or deserted or depressed, praise is a remedy. Praise is a remedy because it ushers in the presence of God and you'll find your encouragement growing and the strength of God coming into you, you're finding your joy filling back up. And so praise is a wonderful, wonderful remedy to us in life. Great weapon that God gives us. Praise brings God's delivering power. Praise brings God's healing virtue. 
Continual praise gives God the opportunity to intervene in our circumstances. There were military battles where all the army did was send the singers out and they just praised their way to victory. So it's just powerful, emblematic, as it shows us the power of praise in our daily, daily lives. And we'll pick up with, um, we'll pick up with verse two. Notice Psalms 103, verse 1 was, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Then verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And so praise continues a little bit more into verse 2, and that lets us know that let your praise continue. Never let your praise stop. Never let your praise come to an end. So your praise continues. Your praise continues. Praise recognizes God's goodness at the present moment. Praise looks back and it recounts what God has done for you in the past. And then praise looks forward in faith to the future. And we praise God for the victory before we ever see it. So praise is powerful. It touches those three dimensions of present, past and future. We praise God for what he's doing now. We thank him for what he's done for us. And man, we're giving him praise for the victory even before we see it in the future. Praise God. God is so good that you can praise him present, past, and future. I love that. I love that. So praise covers three dimensions of life. But verse two, it goes on. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. One translation says, don't forget a single blessing. That's the message Bible. Don't forget a single blessing. Forget not, not even one of all his benefits. And this lets us know that we are to rehearse periodically all of God's blessings as a source of encouragement and faith. So we should rehearse all of God's blessings, all of his benefits. From time to time, we should do that and use it as a source of encouragement, a source of faith when you can recount all of his benefits and all of his blessings in your life. You use that as a source of encouragement. So don't forget, too often we forget what's available to us. We forget what God has provided for us. And so these are things we should actively call to our remembrance. These are things that we should actively think upon. And so don't forget not even one of his benefits. Don't forget a single Blessing. And man, that's an exhaustive list. Oh man, you could talk for days about the wonderful benefits that God provides for us. Psalm 68 says, The Lord loadeth us daily with benefits. He loadeth us daily with benefits. Man, every day He just loads you with benefits. Things we don't even think about. Things sometimes we're not even aware of. But man, there are benefits. If you understood just all the things, that are happening even just in your physical body for it to function, man, you would be amazed. You would be amazed if you knew all the things that were going on with your cells and with your mitochondria and with all of your arteries and all of your blood vessels and with, I mean, the way the heart pumps and the way you breathe. And if you understood all the mechanisms at work just in your physical existence, man, you would be amazed every day. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so there are just so many benefits, you know, we just don't even realize just happening 
Man, when you think about just your thought process and the way your neurons are firing, you know, and all of these things that are happening in your body, we have no idea. You look at your eye, and your eye is better than the most advanced camera. How it's able to take pictures, full color, zoom in and out, rotate left and right, up and down. I mean, Flash can't even keep up with it. The camera here, the way that God uses the eye. <laughs> oh man, you would be amazed of the bountiful benefits, the bountiful benefits that we enjoy every day just in the human body, the things that God blesses us with every day that we're not even cognizant of, not even aware of. So we're to thank Him for those benefits and recount all of His wonderful benefits to us each and every day. And don't forget them. Actively recount what God is doing in your life. His wonderful, wonderful benefits to serving him, to being in his family, to being in his kingdom, everything that he provides us to enjoy. So we're grateful for all of his benefits. Well, notice here, we get over into verse 3, and it lists the first benefit. So verse 3 lists the first benefit. And verse 3 says, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. So verse one, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Verse two, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Verse three, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Well, the reason this is the first benefit is because this benefit opens the door. It's actually the doorway to all the other benefits. You couldn't enjoy the other benefits without this first benefits of having your sins forgiven. It's the fountainhead. It's the fountainhead of all of God's blessings. It has to come through that doorway of having your sins forgiven. If your sins were not forgiven, it would block all of God's blessings. It would block all the other blessings. And so sin was removed so that it could clear the way so that we can be restored to favor with God. So your forgiveness of sin is the inlet of all the covenant blessings. So all the covenant blessings, man, they come in through that door or that opening, the fountainhead of the fact that our sins are forgiven. Praise God. That ushers in all of the blessings. That ushers in all of the blessings. That's why when Jesus saw the paralytic, he said to him, Son, your sins are forgiven you because Jesus knew that once his sins were forgiven, all the other covenant blessings were his. And so the forgiveness of sin opens the door. It opens the pathway to all of God's covenant blessings. So that's why it's the first benefit, because if we were still in our sins, oh, man, we would be most miserable. We wouldn't have a future. We wouldn't have a relationship with God. We would be enemies to God. Man, we would be without God, without hope. We would be living a miserable life and we would have nothing to look forward to in this life or the next. It would be a miserable existence. And so the forgiveness of sin clears the guilty, clears all of the guilt, clears all of the trespass, clears all of the wrongdoing out of your path, out of your way. Let me tell you what forgive means. Forgive means to spare someone, means to pardon, means to relieve someone of the burden of their offense. And so here, Psalms 103 says, who forgiveth all thine 
iniquities. Notice that. Oh, not some, not half of them. Aren't you glad he didn't just forgive a third of your sins? He didn't just forgive a third of them. He didn't just forgive half of them. He didn't just forgive three fourths of them. He forgave all your sins. All your sins. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. He's constantly forgiving you. Constantly forgiving you. Constantly forgiving you. Constantly cleansing you. Constantly washing you. We're under the spout. We're under the fountain of forgiveness. And so it's constantly washing us, constantly cleansing us, constantly forgiving us. Man, we're so grateful. Who forgiveth all our iniquities? Well, I want to share just on this benefit for today. He's the God forgives all of our iniquities. He forgives all of our sins. And if I had to entitle today's message, I would call it the overflow of God's forgiveness, the overflow of God's forgiveness, the overflow of God's forgiveness. In Psalms 103, further down in the chapter, verse 10 and 12, it says this. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. So God hasn't treated us like what we have done. He hasn't treated us like what we deserve according to our trespasses and sin. Isn't that good news that God didn't treat us? You know, if you go to court, they sentence you based on the crime. They sentence you. You get a just dessert for whatever the crime that has been committed. There's a just dessert. Aren't you glad that God hadn't treated us after the way we have sinned, after what we have done? He hasn't treated us that way. He hasn't treated us that way. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Man, I'm thinking about a psalm. I don't know where it is, but it says there is forgiveness with God. Because if God didn't forgive, man, who could stand? Who would be able to stand before him? There is forgiveness with God. There is forgiveness with God. There is forgiveness with God. And so notice, he has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Means he didn't give us what we deserve. That's what you call mercy. See, mercy is not getting what you deserve. That is mercy. That is mercy. That's not getting what you deserve. So if a policeman pulled you over because you were doing 85 in a 65 mile zone, and if he said, I'm going to let you off the hook today with just a warning, that's mercy because you deserve to get a ticket. But he extended mercy. Mercy is not giving you what you do deserve. You deserve the ticket, but he didn't give you one. That's mercy. That's mercy. So next time you get stopped by the police, just say, is there any mercy? <laughs> <laughs> Can I have a little mercy? Can I have a little mercy? So mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. That's what mercy is. Now grace is a little different. Grace gives us, grace gives us what we didn't deserve. So mercy doesn't give you what you do deserve. Grace gives us what we don't deserve. And so grace is a gift. So grace is a gift. And so grace is the favor that God gives us that we don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. So grace is giving us what we don't deserve. We didn't deserve to be forgiven. It's his grace. It's his grace. It's his grace. We didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve it. We deserve to be struck down by lightning. 
We deserve to be sent to hell. But no, he gave us salvation. And that's all. This is all we're saved by grace. And so it's a gift. He gave us what we didn't deserve. We didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve it. You can see the picture of it clearly in the story of the prodigal son. When that boy came home, he didn't deserve to have a robe put on him. He didn't deserve to have a ring on his finger. He didn't deserve to have shoes put on his feet. He certainly didn't deserve to have a party thrown in his honor. It's a picture of grace. It's a picture of grace. It's a picture of God's forgiveness. The son came home. Father never mentioned his sin. He was busy forgiving him. It's the overflow of God's grace. It's the overflow of God's grace. So it's a picture of that God's forgiveness swallows up our sin. They're not on equal footing. It's not forgiveness for sin. God's forgiveness overwhelms sin. It's far greater. It's not an equal match. That's why the Bible says, Paul said in the book of Romans, where sin doth abound, doth grace doth much more abound. I mean, it's greater. It swallows it up. There's no comparison. So God's forgiveness is so much greater. It's the overflow of his forgiveness, the overflow of his forgiveness. Now notice, and also in Psalms 103, we just read verse 10, but also in verse 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Notice it said as far as the east is from the west. Notice it didn't say as far as the north is from the south. Because if you travel north long enough, you'll eventually start heading south. But when you travel east and west, those points never return to meet again. He has separated our sins from us as far as the east from the west. Never to meet again, never to return again. He has separated. I love that. That's verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Those two points never meet again. Praise God. Praise God. Here's another one. This is Psalms 86.5. It says, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive. Thou art good and ready. God is good and ready. God is good and ready to forgive. Notice his disposition. God is good and ready to forgive. Means eager. He's actually anxious to forgive. He's anxious to forgive. He's actually anxious to forgive. He's anxious to forgive us. He's ready. God is good and ready to forgive. He's anxious, eager. God can't wait to forgive you. Man, God is so awesome. God is so awesome. God is so awesome. He's eager to forgive. He's eager to forgive. He's eager to forgive. It kind of reminds me of a verse, Micah chapter 7, verse 18 and 19. It reminds me of that. Notice what it says. It says, Micah chapter 7, verse 18 and 19 says, Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. So God is saying that, I mean, who forgives like God is what it's saying. Who forgives like God? He pardons iniquity. He overlooks transgression because he'd rather delight in mercy. He'd rather delight. God gets his thrill out of mercy. He gets his kicks out of mercy. He's eager to forgive. He's eager to forgive. So God looks forward to extending mercy. He's merciful. He's merciful. God would rather be merciful. 
God would rather be merciful. It's sort of like you can look at it as a parent. I would rather play with a young child, I'd rather play with them versus having to grab my belt to whip them. I'd rather play with them. I delight in playing with them. Now, I will have to whip if necessary, <laughs> but that doesn't give me pleasure. That doesn't give me pleasure. I have pleasure. I'd rather play with them. And God's the same way. So God overlooks transgression. He passes by iniquity because he delights in mercy. God would rather be merciful. God would rather forgive you and get you restored, get you on the right track. That's what God's after. God's not out to destroy anyone. And people have given a misconception about God. They think God's out to destroy. No, the Bible says that the reason, you know, the reason that Jesus hasn't come back yet, the reason that it seems like he's slow to come back is because God is being merciful. God is giving people time to repent. God's giving people time to come to him. God's not out trying to destroy people. God is in the saving business. God's in the restoration business. God wants people to turn their lives around. God wants people to come to him. God wants people to enjoy the abundant life and get to know him. And Oh, man, so God is not out trying to destroy. God's out trying to rescue. I'm going to say this. It's a little controversial, but I'm going to say this. It's very hard to go to hell. And the reason I say that is because God will use everything and anything to try to turn you around and keep you from going. He'll come after you over and over. He'll give you mercy. He'll extend grace. He'll come after you. He'll do whatever is necessary to try to get your attention and turn you back to him. Now, if you just continue to reject Christ and you reject him, then, you know, after a while, there's nothing he can do. But it's actually very hard to go to hell Because the Father is always reaching out. He's not willing, the Bible says he's not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that any should perish. Man, who wouldn't serve a God like that? Who wouldn't serve a God like that? Who wouldn't serve a God like that? Oh, man. We've been preaching the wrong gospel. That God will send you to hell. No, God's not trying to send people to hell. He sent Jesus to rescue us from hell. Man, he's in the delivering business, the saving business. Oh, he's gracious. We've given him a wrong M.O. We've given him a wrong M.O. We've given him a wrong M.O. And there were times God had to be angry and deal with his people. He had to deal with rebellious people. But you'll always see it in the scriptures. His anger is just for a moment. He couldn't stay in that long. In this moment, his people or any people would turn to him and call on him. I don't care what they've done. The moment they turn to him and call on him, there he is to rescue There he is to rescue His anger just won't reside. When his people deserve destruction, they turn back to God and call on him. There his forgiving grace is. God just couldn't help himself. He just, he can't. That's who he is. That's what he is. Who he is. He's merciful. He's kind. He's gracious. He delights in mercy. He'll rather pass over transgression. He'll rather bypass iniquity because he delights in being merciful and forgiving and gracious. He'll rather turn us around and save us. Praise God. Man, that's good. This is good news, man. This is good news here. (laughs) Oh, it makes you love him. It makes you love him all the more. Makes you love him all the more. This is the way Jesus was when he walked the earth. It was just, man, you saw it. You saw it in his life. Woman taken in adultery. After he had dismissed all of her accusers, he said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, I have none. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He forgave her freely. He forgave her freely. A woman came in probably of 
ill repute, washing his feet, Jesus said, let her alone. Because she's been forgiven of much, she loves much. I mean, Jesus was a fountain of forgiveness. He was a fountain of forgiveness. He was a fountain of forgiveness. That's why whenever he was walking by, somebody yelled out, have mercy, stopped him every time. Stopped him every time. He delights in mercy. He delights in mercy. He delights in mercy. I don't care where it was going, how busy he was. If somebody yelled out, have mercy on me, son of David. It stopped him in his tracks. Because he's full of mercy. He delights in mercy. It's who he is. Man, his overflowing forgiveness. God's overflowing forgiveness. Praise God. Let me see if I have any other good ones to share before we close out. Man, this is good. I'm having fun. Anyone else having fun? I'm having fun. (laughs) Oh, man, I'm having so much fun. Here's another good one. Isaiah 43, 25 says, Even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. So God says, I blot out your transgressions for my own sake. Will not remember your sin. God says he's doing it for himself. God doesn't want to be piled up with unforgiveness. Same way he teaches us not to be piled up with unforgiveness. God freely forgives. That's why he teaches us to freely forgive. Because if you don't, it turns into a poison on the inside of you. So that's one reason God forgives freely. He doesn't want all of that bottled up in himself. And so God says, I'm forgiven freely for my own sake. He blots out our transgressions for his own sake. He teaches us that lesson. He teaches us that forgiveness is the best way to free ourselves. It frees you. When you forgive, it frees you. It sets you free. It sets you free. God forgives. I love that. I love that. So he forgives for his mercy's sake. He forgives for his promise sake. He forgives for his son's sake. And he glories in his prerogative to forgive. He glories in that. So God's eager. He's eager to bless. He's eager to forgive. He delights in mercy. Now, when God forgives, he forgets. He doesn't hold it against you. He doesn't take it into account. He treats you as if you never sin. Treats you as if you never sin. Praise God. We haven't quite gotten to that level, but that's why the scripture says, who can forgive like God? Who can forgive like God the way he does? God not only forgives you, he won't remember it any longer. If you bring up a past sin to God, he doesn't even know what you're talking about. Oh, man, isn't that good? That's good. That's good news. That is good news. That's good news. Praise God. Praise God. I guess I'm going to stop that. There are some other good ones that talk about this benefit of forgiveness. I'll just give them to you. You can study them on your own. Hebrews chapter uh, 8, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16 and 17. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 7. This one says, return to God and he will abundantly pardon. Return to God and he will abundantly pardon. Means freely, generously. He will freely forgive. He forgives generously. In the Hebrew, it actually says multiplies. In the Amplified Bible says, for he will multiply to him his abundant pardon. I want you to see that it's actually, it's like multiplying it twice. It's already abundant. Notice what it says, return to God and he will abundantly pardon. Then it says, he'll multiply to him his abundant pardon. It's already abundant. 
It's already the overflow of his forgiveness. Then he multiplies that. He multiplies what's already abundant. And this saying that is incalculable, the overflowing forgiveness of God is incalculable. He multiplies what's already abundant. It's so much greater than sin. It just overwhelms it. Man, it swallows sin up. It swallows it up. It swallows it up. He doesn't just forgive. He abundantly forgives. He multiplies. There are times where sin is multiplied. Man, but God's forgiveness is multiplied and abundant on top of that. So it's like it's multiplied twice his forgiveness for us. Man, I'm going to stop right there. I'm having a hard time stopping just because I'm just enjoying it so much. I I love it. I love it. I love that so much. I'm going to quote these last two. Second Corinthians, I'm thinking 517, I'm not exactly sure, but it says that God was personally present in Christ. He was personally present in Christ, restoring the world to himself. So when Jesus came, God was personally present in Christ, restoring the world to favor with himself, not adding up their sins, but counseling them. God came down in the person of Christ. Not to add all our sins up, but to counsel them. He counseled them. He was personally present in Christ Jesus, restoring us to favor with himself, not adding up our sins, but counseling them. And he's given us that message of reconciliation to share with others. That's the good news that we're to go out and share with other people. That God has forgiven you. He's not adding up your sins. He's not angry at you. He's provided forgiveness. He's multiplied abundant forgiveness to you through his son, Christ Jesus. God's not angry at you any longer. He abundantly forgives you and restores you into favor with himself. Man, that's the good news that we're supposed to be sharing. And so we get to share that ministry. We all are in the ministry. We all share that ministry to let people know the good news. And the final one I'm going to share with you, this is one of my favorites, Zephaniah 317. It's one that I pull from about 10 different translations into this version. But it says that he's a mighty hero who saves us. He takes delight in us. He rejoices over us with singing. He rejoices over us with joy. He rejoices over us with dancing and singing. He quiets us in his love and calms all of our fears. He's satisfied in his love for us. He's not looking for another. He rests in his love for us. Here it is. This part I want you to get. Not mentioning our sins, but forgiving them. I rest in his love for me. I am renewed in his love for me. Praise God. Praise God. That's an overflow of God's forgiveness. It's an overflow of God's forgiveness. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God has moved sin out the way. He's forgiven you so you can enjoy a relationship with him. You've been restored to favor with God. You've been restored to favor with God. You've been restored to favor with God. It's the good news of the gospel. You've been restored to favor with God. You've been restored to favor with God. You've been restored to favor with God. He's not adding up your sins. He's counseled them. You've been restored to favor with God. He's not angry at you any longer. He rejoices over you. He sings over you. He dances over you. He joins over you. Quiets you in his love. 
He calms all your fears. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for the overflow of your forgiveness, your grace in our lives. We're so grateful and we're so joyful and we're so eager and excited, Lord, to share this with others as we experience it for ourselves firsthand. We've been restored to favor with you. We love you and praise you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And every heart say, Amen, 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 Amen. Those of you who are watching by television, I want you to go to brothersoftheword.com. You can listen to this entire series absolutely free of charge on Psalms 103, Bless His Holy Name, Part 1, and the Overflow of God's Forgiveness, Part 2. But you can also email it to a friend. But thank you so much for joining us today at Brothers of the Word, because, brother, you need the Word. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was part two of the message titled Psalms 103, subtitled The Overflow of God's Forgiveness by C. Elijah Bronner. This message is number 7954. That's 7954. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 7954 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the word. Brothers of the Word.